and welcome back for another episode of Lost Down. We are your hosts. I am Steve. My man joining me in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Wally Lukashevsky. I feel like I haven't got to say that in a while, so I feel like we're going back to the old school route here. But Wally, just us two here today. Before I toss it over to him, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by Tabbies.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market, T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Make sure you use promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off that first order, as well as free shipping. Wally, only been a few days, man. Back to back. Look at me. Didn't think I'd be here over the last month, uh, kind of making a hiatus here and there. But Wally, how are you, my man? How have the last couple of days been? I'm hanging in there, man. Obviously bummed out. We talked about Mike Leach last episode, but he has passed in between this time. And, you know, as a regardless of what level of football fan you are, it was a big loss. He has changed the game of football for the better in a lot of ways. So we have his family and our thoughts. But then on a more positive note, we are 10 days out from Christmas now. That has me obviously fired up. I love driving down the, the street right now, seeing Christmas lights left, right, center. It's great, which leads me to you, Stephen. First of all, how are you? Hope you're doing well. And give us right after that, how about a favorite Christmas movie out of you? I'm doing well. Um, my Syracuse Orange ended up winning by a, a few. I think I think I was complaining on it towards the tail end of the episode on Monday. They ended up pulling it out. It was good. We have football not only Sunday and tonight, which is Thursday. We got a triple header on Saturday. It's that time of the year. College football is still on that rest, and right before the bowl games, or there's a couple bowl games happening, uh, I think tomorrow and Friday, or tomorrow is Friday, so tomorrow. Can you tell how excited I am for the weekend? But Saturday NFL, we get that action. I love it. Want to give a shout-out. My man Shane Cairns graduating this weekend. Kylie's little brother, she's going to be heading out there to Missouri to go see the graduation. I can't wait. You know, snuggle up with my little pups, my little pup, and watch Elf, my favorite Christmas movie. I know it's so easy. It is such a, I don't know the word I'm looking for, an easy scapegoat for, for a favorite Christmas movie, but give me Will Ferrell as an oversized elf. I'll take that 10 times out of 10. Not only that, too, this year especially, you got to give it up to the, the late, great James Caan. It's the first year he's not alive for Elf to come out. He was phenomenal as Buddy's dad in that movie. Yep. You got to take, first of all, Elf is a classic. So don't ever feel bad about taking that. It's like the same people that feel bad about taking something like the Santa Claus. It's a classic. So of course I'm going to be That's okay That's a good with that. one. I don't know. I've gotten a lot of backlash off people who don't feel the same way about Elf. Can you explain to me how somebody on earth doesn't like Elf? Elf is one of the few Christmas movies that you can watch any month of the year. And it doesn't even matter if you like or don't like Will Ferrell. You can watch it. But a lot of people give it backlash because of their standing on Will Ferrell, which how, how can you go against that man? Well, not only can how do you go against that man, but it's one of his best roles he ever did where I if you are somebody that gets kind of annoyed with the sense of humor or the type of humor that Will Ferrell has, I, I, that's fine. I get it. Don't watch Step Brothers. Don't watch Talladega Nights. I get it. Don't, don't watch, watch Step Brothers. If you don't want to watch Step Brothers, then I don't want to be friends with you. I'm, I agree, but it's like you're telling on yourself. They, if you don't like him in Elf, it's because you just are going out of your way to be miserable because he doesn't play a typical Will Ferrell role, and he's phenomenal as Buddy. And who doesn't like Zoe Deschanel as well? I, I'm a big Zoe Deschanel fan. Even when it's not new. Oh, see, I love New Girl, so I love Zoe Deschanel. I like New Girl, but she is the worst. 
And she is so annoying in that show. She's too quirky. Her voice kind of irks me. She's, I don't know. I'm like, uh, I'm like a girly uh, Pat Mahomes. Curly Pat Mahomes. Mahomes, I like that. I, I don't know. I like her in that. See, one of the movies that sneakily I really enjoyed, and it's a terrible movie. I need to preface that. But I liked Yes Man growing up because oh, yeah. of some. Okay, do you remember the part in the movie about an hour, hour 15 in? I think it's one of the coolest ideas ever. I want to do it with someone in the future. They just walk into an airport, her and Jim Carrey, and it's, we're going to hop on the next flight that's leaving, whatever it is, we're doing it. And they're like prepared, hopefully. It's like, is it going to be Cabo? Is it going to be, you know, like Paris? Are we going somewhere special? And they go to Lincoln, Nebraska, and they end up watching like a Cornhusker game in person. It's just like a really cool idea. The idea of just, spontaneously if you had the time you had the money why not especially if you had the time and the money no that'd be that'd be fun and just blow back like, it, we're getting first class tickets here we're gonna go have a blast i would do that in a heartbeat again time and money that's a big criteria in that what about you what's your favorite christmas movie so mine is a little bit more old school so people are either going to really dig it or they're gonna just think i'm an idiot it's a wonderful life is not only one of my favorite Oh Christmas my God. It's arguably a top five movie for me ever. I just literally every time I watch it, it's such an uplifting film. Not only that too, you just, it, it reminds you like what the holidays are all about. Like your family, everybody close to you, what special time of year. I love it's a wonderful life. I can watch You're it. You're a dweeb any, for the, any time of year. To preface this twister is also in his top five movies. So, and it's number That's, one. If that I'm is not one mistaken. that, See, Twister, I'll at least hand up. I'll be like, all right, I understand. It's not the cinematic masterpiece everybody everybody likes, but it's like my interest. It's a Wonderful Life is just a good movie. It is just a straight up good movie. You know, whatever. I, I agree to disagree. As long as you're not that guy that's picking Die Hard, I'm cool with it. I, I'm fine with that. It is a Christmas movie, by the way. But I will ask you... <laughs> Have you seen It's a Wonderful Life in full, or is this just a It's an old yes, movie? No, or a I, okay, no, that's I, fine. Have, I have seen it in full. As long as you're not one of the people that just decide because it's like a black and white old movie, you won't like it. Those are the people that bother me. So as long as you've seen it, that's fine. I can I can at least hear your criticism. It was a good movie for its time. I'll give it that. But we've just seen so much excellence in acting, filming cinematography graphics whatever it may be that it's just so hard i'm like man that would suck to just be pumped for this movie knowing that like dark knight exists <laughs> see uh that's fair see i wanted to this week and this will be the last thing i say and we can move on i was really excited because every year in those like old school theaters and we have one right down the road where it's like you know there's 20 Ooh. seat theaters where you go up to one ticket counter you buy it and it's one movie a night they have and I just unfortunately missed it by a week because we weren't available to go see it. But I wanted to see it in person so bad, get a shot in, a, shot in a, uh, the past a little bit. But unfortunately, didn't happen. Let's get it on here. Let's get a little bit of NFL yeah, news. What on, happened baby. on this? Let's do it. Yo, cue the Barry White. Uh, let's, get it, let's get the Monday night game going through. And then what the people are really here for. Week 15, 14, 15, 15. I can't keep up. We're 15 It's just now. so depressing. Remember how excited we are? And I'm like, oh, it's week one, two, three. Fuck, it's four, five, six. Seven. Oh, no. It's yep. slipping away from us. It's the NFL's quinceanera this week. It's the 15th week, so it's kind of like a quinceanera. 
We have the NFL. We have the Monday night football game here where the New England Patriots defeated the Arizona Cardinals in the desert, 27 to 13, where we saw Kyler Murray first series in, unfortunately go down with a non-contact knee injury, ended up being an ACL, which when we were watching this live, we automatically assumed it was an Achilles injury based off the way he kind of popped up. But man, Arizona did not bounce back. Colt McCoy did not have a good showing. And now they're going to have to stick with Colt here for the next few games and potentially to start a bunch of them in the start of the 2023 season here. But enough of Arizona. They're dead in the water. This all of a sudden catapults the New England Patriots into the seventh seed wild card in the AFC. Now starting to heat up. Bill Bailey making some moves. Maybe a little tampering with DeAndre Hopkins. I know we saw that NFL wild, wired up them talking to each other here. But Cardinals are dead in the water. This is something that has just been getting worse and worse as the week gone by, as the weeks go by, excuse me. And we were talking about it off camera about how hilarious it is that we get to watch it firsthand because the in-season hard knocks is in Arizona for this season. But New England's now the seventh seed. Don't know if they're going to stay there. What did you? What were some of your takeaways from the game on Monday, Wally? That the Patriots aren't very good. Yeah, of course, the Cardinals are awful. We hate them, or at least I hate them. I, I've been so frustrated just because we talk about them as if they're a team that should be a Super Bowl contender or the step right before. They're not a good team. I, I've been on this train for years. They started 6-0 and last year, and they like bought them an extra 12 months of fraud status where people didn't realize that they weren't good. It's unfortunate that Kyler does go down. We're going to get the Colt McCoy show the rest of the year. Rondale Moore's done the rest of the year as well. The biggest question from an Arizona side, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this too. You're going to have, and I see you wrote it down here. It makes me happy. Cliff Kingsbury, this in a weird way could be a blessing in disguise for him. He got extended in February. Now with this injury, do you think there's a chance that Maybe he can stay on. It's almost a, this was a really bizarre year. We got DeAndre back eight weeks in. You have Kyler go down early. Could you see Cliff getting another year? I can see it just because it wasn't glorious start, his tenure there in Arizona the first couple of years, and they kind of held true with him to let Kyler's development go on. I just don't have any confidence in Colt McCoy being your longtime quarterback here. We've talked about in the past that he is a serviceable backup, but for him to be your starting quarterback week in and week out, with having a lot of question marks on what free agency is going to hold for you here, potentially losing J.J. Watt. I know he's really hasn't been – he is who he is at, at this age, and he's not that guy anymore, but that's still someone you do not want to lose on your team, let alone the, the locker room. I think that it can strictly because of the contract that he signed. Now, we know that Steve Kime, their GM, actually has stepped away because of health issues right now. It's going to kind of depend on where Steve Kime is, I believe. If that dude doesn't end up coming back, if Kingsbury is going to have a hotter seat than he does right now because now they're going to look at a new GM, that's not his head coach. That's not his guy. We always see that a lot. If you ever see a head coach or GM change, there's somebody that usually travels with them or or if there's a GM change with a, with a newer head coach a couple years in, that head coach is typically gone if they're not performing right then, right there. So Cliff's going to have a ton of pressure on him. I think he gets a wash for this year. But then you also have to look at it, right? Look at how Kyler and Cliff Kingsbury have been to each other. Look how Kyler's been since he signed that contract and just the negative energy and just this persona that he is so much bigger than he actually is, not even a knock on, you know, an actual size, but just his persona is just this big guy who can just bad mouth and 
drop F-bombs and yell in his coach's face in the middle of a primetime game. So there's going to be a lot of pressure. And I think that if Steve Kime is gone, that's going to be the first domino that we have here. But with the whole general – the generalization of the question you're asking, I think it can extend his time a little bit here because of the circumstance. He's going to definitely push for that. I just don't know how likely it is to happen. To me, the reason you keep Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime, and first of all, we're wishing the best for Kime. I haven't seen the specifics of it, so we don't know how serious it is. It's obviously serious enough to step away. I think the only reason you bring back these two is if now you go into next year knowing it's a lost year. You know you're not going to have Kyler Murray back until probably at best Thanksgiving. Odds are you're not going to be good enough to make the postseason then. The reason you'd keep them is almost just to have them survive the year so you can fire them next year and go into that next offseason with the idea of we can look and attack the coaching market as best we can. Because they don't, to your point, they don't want to have a GM in there with not their head coach. If Kime's not back, Cliff's gone. It's just a, a, a very sad and daunting situation in Arizona right now. But I want to talk real quick on the Patriots, and then we'll move on. I don't think, to answer your question from like five minutes ago, I don't think that the Patriots. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I got you. I don't think that they're going to stay in the seventh spot. Their their schedule's hard. They have the Finns again. They have the Bills again. They have the Raiders next week. I can't remember the third, but it's another very losable game. And with the way their offense is, I think that going nine and eight would almost be a minor victory after how unfortunate the whole season's been with Matt Patricia calling plays with Mac Jones seemingly getting angry at him every other week with their fans booing Mac Jones every time he throws an incompletion. It's a tough day. I mean, they can make the playoffs and be bounced by 20 in the first round. That's about the only hope I think they have for the Patriots. I think that it's much more likely that the Jets beat the Lions and get back in the hunt this week or the Chargers continue the play that they they had last Sunday night. A little bit of fun NFL news here, NFL International, I should say, before we hop into the Week 15 preview here. But the NFL announces that there's no Mexico City game in the 2023 season. Nothing that we did wrong, but Estadio Ateca will be going under renovations here for the 2026 World Cup. There will be two games in Munich. And all I want to say is if you're going to have the games in Munich, let's get a different camera angle. I want to see a bulk of that stadium because the energy that those fans were bringing all game, after game, post game, pregame, whatever it was, I want to see it. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful stadium that they're going to have there or where they're playing the games at. So we need better camera angles. I need that Thursday night um, next gen stats view. I'm actually, that's interesting because I want to actually dive into the camera angle for a second because why have we not just like kind of normalized the all 22 view as a fan outlook? Imagine not like the sky cam we got a few years ago with Pittsburgh, Tennessee or whatever it was. It's not what I'm even talking well, about. When that's, it was like behind, when it was yeah, behind like the, the Madden offense. view. Yeah. Like the Madden football view before. Like that's I like or to have it that is a second option but yes, i want like a yes. sky view where i can almost see all 22 players on the field because that's the only thing that bothers me about watching football right now is you're basically watching the line of scrimmage and the quarterback you don't know what's going on 15 yards downfield and every now and then i want to see the jamar chase for sauce gardner 
You know what I mean? I want to be able to watch an individual Just lock matchup. in on them. Yeah, so that's interesting. I'd love to have like an alternative angle for the Munich game. Nothing's more exhilarating, you know, especially if you're betting on like a touchdown prop or, or if you're just watching a player and you see, you know, a wide receiver, you watch them break the cornerback, break into their route, catch the ball all in stride. You're like, I just watched that whole thing. Like I didn't even look at the quarterback once. I'm first of all, I'm a genius. Cause I obviously knew that's where the ball was going to go, but it's just so electric to watch. You're like, Oh my God. It's crazy. When you can finally get these kind of different views, I know hockey's tried it now that they've gone back to ESPN and TNT, where you have these, I don't know, they're more interactive. They're, this is the best way I can describe it. They give you a different view of the game. Why not? If you're trying to get more people in, we have the Peyton Manning and uh, Eli Manning cast. Why not have a second TV option for different angles? We do it for like the national championship and college football semifinals with like the coaches view or the coaches talk. Why not at least for the standalone games to have a second option? I'd love that. That's the only view I watch it on the Thursday night games on prime is with the next gen stats view. Cause you basically get a full 22. See, I haven't watched the Thursday night broadcast from that yet. I'll do that tonight. And make sure that I, I let you know what I think on Monday. Because it, it, it literally looks like it's Madden. Like, they have, like, the little player circle underneath them, showing them who it is. They have stats on the side. So, it's fun. How do you know? And this dangerous is for, for live betting. <laughs> I believe that, too. But this is good for the people at home, I'm sure, like me, that haven't even tried. How do you do that when you go to Amazon? Is there, like, an option go, right now? When you go it? to Amazon, you click on Watch It, and it should have a little pop-up at the bottom where it's either three or four different ways that you can watch it it's just through the thursday night crew they do one in spanish they they sometimes will have like a guest appearance like a few weeks ago they had um the shop like lebron show they had them doing it where he where jalen ramsey caught him lying which was awesome because if you guys didn't keep, keep up with the lebron lying that twitter was on thread, that i saw that on twitter i didn't know that was for that game oh yeah it was for the thursday night game then they have the then they just have a um Amazon next gen stats or whatever it is. Wow. And that's the view you watch. It's, it's game changing. I'll definitely watch that tonight. If it's as good as you're making out to be, there's a chance we start seeing this more normal. And that's what people want. It's a better way to take in the game as more than just a fan. When you're trying to actually watch and understand what's going on, I feel like it's better. Well, and you're also missing a whole other aspect when I've been covering like my girlfriend loves it because for some reason she likes the numbers and likes the, the exact stuff, but it's like, Oh, watch this player. Oh, this, Oh, now, now I know what the name of players are. Oh, I know what a slant route is all of a sudden. Oh, that's what an out route is. Obviously they're not going to be talking, you know, they're not going to be talking like that, but for someone who is not as invested into a game, you know, as my girlfriend or probably millions of people around just the U S this is a way to kind of segue them into it. Like it's breaking it down. It's, Fast, it's the fastest pace of football, but it slows down the game for you. I love it. Well said. I love you. Let's go into the week 15 preview. Let's see what the picks are. Before I toss it to Wally, the numbers man, to break down how we did last weekend overall, we want you to know this week 15 preview is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency, specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more, especially if you're Wally and I's age where it feels like there's a college graduation, engagements, weddings, baby pictures happening every weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself at abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y, or on her Instagram, Sawdad and Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. Wally, how did the week 14s do for us? What the hell's going on? 
It was not great. We have, I guess it's been perfect. a running trend of the year. Yeah, yeah, perfect is right. David had the worst of it, so I'm going to read his first. He went five and nine and down over five and a half units, which sucks for you at home if you like rode with him. Good for me because he's starting to crawl back in my direction. I went nine and eight. <laughs> I was about 1.8 units down. And Steven, you were about 0.8 units down at nine and nine. So this week, I got to read a fun fact for you too. This week, we do have to get back on it. I have not picked like a winner, like a straight up winner. I've done splits like three or four times this year. I have not picked the Thursday night football game right this season. It is week 15. I have not picked one correctly. Last week, for instance. We're on the same one. I went 0 for 3 last week. And had I even hit one of them, it goes from me being down a unit and a half to me being up like two or three. It is such a sick joke that I'm playing from behind all year. Thursday night games. And here's a fun one, too. And I'm done. I swear after this. The <laughs> Cardinals. The Cardinals are 1-12 in 12 at home in the last two years since, like, week, I want to say, like, 9 or 10 last year. I picked that win for the Cardinals on accident in reverse because I picked Andy Dalton this year on Thursday night football and the Cardinals just – of course, kick their teeth in because I went against them. Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, – let's get into the first game. So before Yeah, you got to avoid me is the best I can say it. Yeah, we have the, the the game that starts the week off here. We have the San Francisco 49ers traveling up to Seattle. Niners are three-and-a-half-point favorites with the total set at 43-and-a-half. Like, now I kind of want to backtrack. I have I have San Fran minus three-and-a-half. I got the money line, and I took the under of 43-and-a-half. It's just – it's hard to bet against the San Francisco defense right now. And how they've been playing. San Fran's 3-0 against the spread versus Seattle's 0-2 against the spread after short rest periods. San Fran's 5-3 after a win, while Seattle's 2-3 after a loss all against the spread. I expect this to be an ugly game. You got an injured Brock Purdy, so they're probably going to try to rely on Christian McCaffrey a lot. And Juno's going up against the best defense in the league. Even though we're all Seattle hasn't been doing well, doesn't mean Gino hasn't been doing well, but he has been a little bit more prone to turnovers here the past few weeks. I think that Sam Brand can get it done, kind of hush up everybody with the Brock Purdy talk and make themselves look like they're not missing a quarterback with as much caliber, quote-unquote, as Jimmy Garoppolo. Give me Sam Fran three-and-a-half money line, the under 43-and-a-half. I hate I hate this. I fucking hate this. You're, you already know it from his reaction because I love the 49ers, Steven. <laughs> Minus three-and-a-half. And the money line, this should make you feel a little better. I'm on the over of 43 and a half. So that's great news for you. David is also on the 49ers minus three and a half in money line. But the Seahawks have no run defense at all. They've been back to one of the worst defenses in football the last few weeks. As soon as I started pumping their tires, the Niners are going to score well in this game. I really believe it. Even if Brock Purdy is asked to throw the ball, they're not exactly a staunt pass defense either. The Seahawks being desperate for a win and needing a win to stay alive in the playoffs will keep this closer than people think for a while. That's why I am going with the over. It's not going to be that 27 to seven week two performance we saw early in the year. I love CMC in this game. I think he is going to score. I I think he might score multiple and Kenneth Walker to third finally being back is huge. One note to keep an eye on that would indicate that you and I are on the wrong side here. The Seahawks are 12 and two against this spread at home 
against the 49ers dating back to 2009. So the Seahawks minus three and a half or plus three and a half in a theory is to play, but I'm not there. I'm with you, Steven. Hopefully this is the week I get off the schneid of Thursday night football. God, fuck. I hate all of this. You should. Saturday afternoon, the Indianapolis Colts travel to Minneapolis to face the Minnesota Vikings, who are four and a half point home favorites. Total is 47 and a half. You guys heard me say on Monday, but the Vikings are the only 10 and three team ever with a negative point differential. But they're actually one of three division leaders this year that have a negative point differential at this point. We'll get into the other two later on. The Vikings. People are really talking about this team as a fraudulent 10-win team. Do you think the Vikings are going to find a way not only to win, but cover four and a half against Jeff Saturday and the Indianapolis Colts? I'm so nervous because all of us are going are, are leaning Minnesota, but how could you not want to have a huge bounce-back game after losing to a team that is still under 500 within the division, a game that would have given you that and probably locked you up in the playoffs as well? I'm going with the Vikes minus four and a half. Colts are five and eight against the spread this year with a horrific two and five ATS on the road. Minnesota needs to have some sets of urgency. Like you were saying, they needed to bounce back. It's all about how you perform after these bad losses as well. I expect them to somewhat explode against the Indianapolis Colts here. I don't want to touch the total. It is set at 47 and a half, like Wally said. I just like what Minnesota can do to this Colts defense and Maybe the Minnesota defense can actually stop somebody out. What do you think? Possibly? Possibly? You alluded to it at the start. I am very much with you. I have the Vikings minus four and a half. David has just money line. He's a coward. So I'm going to explain why you and I are on the right side here. You said it. Urgency. You have to have a sense of urgency the way this team has played the last month of the year. They should have lost three straight games, not just two of three. And now. I know Kirk Cousins is already talking about the hat and t-shirt game, referring to winning the division. You're going to win the division, but it's got to be bigger picture now. Minnesota's got to be so tired of almost this complacent, let's just get in approach. You are supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. It starts by winning games like this that you need to win, you should win, and you need to do it convincingly. I think it will happen. They're going to stop the bleeding this week, and they're going to get a big touchdown against a poorly coached Indianapolis team. Saturday afternoon, then, David's Cleveland Browns are hosting the Baltimore Ravens, who will be without Lamar Jackson for the second straight week. Total is a low 38 and a half. Other news coming in this game, it sounds like Tyler Huntley is cleared of concussion protocol and will be the starter, and that is where it complicates things. This is a division matchup. The Ravens are very much playing for meaningful things right now, The or the Colts. The Browns, in theory, are playing for survival. They could, in theory, stay alive. Let's not kid ourselves. That ship is gone. David's not even touching this game. You'll be a trend for him. He doesn't do it a few today. But let's go to you first. Are you riding with Deshaun Watson and the Browns, or do you think Tyler Huntley and the Ravens might be able to make some damage happen? I think that Tyler Huntley and that offense can do something compared to what they did to the Pittsburgh defense because the Browns are a little bit I, I would give the nod to Pittsburgh over Cleveland's defense right now. But let's look at the other side. Deshaun hasn't been great, 
but we've seen flashes in the last game. Didn't really see much against Houston. Saw some flashes against the Bengals here, but now he has a great opportunity to really shake the rust off here in his third game coming back against one of the worst secondaries in the NFL in the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, we've been talking about them all year, how bad they've been. I think Deshaun can get it right. I think that they can lead him to victory and he can air it out here a little bit and finally get his mojo back outside of the massage parlor. You know what I'm saying? Uh, give me the Browns minus two and a half here. I just don't think Baltimore is going to be able to keep up with them because of the limitations Taylor Huntley, prov- Tyler Huntley, excuse me, provides them on the offensive side of the ball. We have seen them play well with Huntley. I just don't think that it can happen here. I wanted to go with Cleveland minus two and a half with you. I just don't have the nerve after seeing how Deshaun Watson looked for about seven quarters that he's played in so far. I do think he knocks off some of the rust. That is a defense that allows for some opportunity for Deshaun to, you'd imagine, play his best game of the three so far. But that's why I like the over. Because the Cleveland Browns' rush defense is terrible. Their interior defensive line is terrible. David loves to talk about how poor those defensive tackles are and what did I think the Ravens he's lost sleep do? over those D tackles. I literally wouldn't be surprised if you would wake up one day, drive down to Berea, throw on a Browns helmet, and volunteer himself to be thrown in there at, at the two three technique. So I wouldn't be I'm surprised a, at all. I'm assuming David wakes up having nightmares of watching the Browns um, rush defense, like the episode in South Park where um, Stan becomes the Little League hockey coach and Randy is freaking out the whole time, like having PTSD nightmares. And if you haven't seen the episode, go watch it. If you have, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, isn't that where the one little kid's like, you have to go win for me, coach? And it's a bunch of like nine-year-old kids playing the Detroit Wed Rings. Red yep. Wings, not the Wed Wings, but they did lose by like 100. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's the one. And Randy was having nightmares about when Stan was little – not being good at hockey, and then, yeah, it's it's a great episode. I do remember that vaguely, so good call there. But <laughs> J.K. Dobbins is back for Baltimore. He ran down the Steelers' throat, and that's a much better run defense than the Cleveland Browns. Over 38-and-a-half, I think, is actually a pretty good bet because I think that both teams are going to score, not at will, but pretty close to it. It's kind of got 24-21 all over it. So I'll root for you and David. I I hope that the Browns cover. I just don't know if it'll happen. So just the over. Miami is going to Buffalo where the Bills are seven-point favorites in the talk is snowed. In the talk is snow, Stephen. Nine inches is expected on Saturday night, something that no girl I've ever talked to has ever said. Signed Cole Beasley earlier this week. He had retired earlier in the season. Where are you at with this one? Do you think the snow is enough to derail a Miami offense? It's really been struggling the last couple of weeks. Well, we'll see what that that San Fran slash Miami run, run offense is going to look like. But I think that this game is just enough where we've been talking about the weather issues of Miami having heaters on their sideline in Los Angeles when it was 55 degrees. I just think that it's been talked too much where people are going to go so heavy on the bills. Seven. When's the last time you've seen a seven-point spread between two teams, one game separating them this late in the season, and they both have ten wins? I think this the is, I think the Dolphins have eight wins. I think they're eight, several games back. Eight or nine. Okay. Regardless, but this close, the Bills have already lost to them. Granted, it wasn't Miami, 
I think people are focusing way too much on here. I think this is way too big of a spread. Yes, I think Buffalo going to win this game. But I think Miami can cover. It's going to be cool for Josh Allen in that elbow. Let's let's not forget that. If two is from Hawaii, I, I get it. He's not used to the cold, but Josh Allen's injured. That shit hurts a lot more when it's cold with snow on the ground. Miami's not the only offense that's not going to be able to be 100% out there. Well, they live up there. That's the home field advantage. Okay. Where's your game plan for nine inches of snow? We saw what the game plan was for the win game last year. That didn't really pan out too well. So I think that people need to pump their brakes about all this. Maybe I put my foot in my, in my mouth here on Monday. But Josh Allen just has not been playing great the last half of the season. I think over the last seven weeks, he has the same amount. He has the same stats as Davis Mills. That's pretty bad if you haven't looked at it. I just think Miami can at least keep it competitive and kind of hush people about the whole weather factor. Ultimately, give me Miami plus seven. And I do think that they're going to cover but lose. I agree to lose. I don't think that the snow has nearly as much to do with it that a lot of people do. But I think that the Bills are going to cover as well. I have minus seven and the money line, and it's because of physicality. It doesn't matter. And a lot of people, I think, fail to remember this too. Nine inches in Buffalo, the way they are so prepared, there's a real chance there's not even snow on the damn field. They're so good at this that at most you imagine, it's not like, if this isn't 1965, you hear nine inches of snow. It's not going to be on the field. These guys are prepared. They're going to do everything they can to have the best conditions possible. The reason I'm going with Buffalo is the physicality. The last two weeks, the Miami Dolphins have played the 49ers and the Los Angeles Chargers, and their cornerbacks have bullied Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell at the line of scrimmage which has made it more difficult for Tua to be able to depend on those timing routes. The Bills should have beat the Dolphins the first time around. Their defense gave Miami a ton of fits. Their offense just couldn't get it done. I think you're going to see a pissed-off Buffalo team that's not feeling very respected right now, especially after the entire media in the United States is talking about Miami for the last month. They're two games behind Buffalo. Buffalo feels that everybody should be talking about them the way that people are talking about the Cincinnati Bengals, the way they are talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a personal game. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we're back here on Monday talking about like a 31-13 to Bills win. The Atlanta Falcons are going down to New Orleans. Saints are four-and-a-half-point favorites with a total set at 43-and-a-half. Wally, do you think the Dirty Birds can get this covered up there in New Orleans? I hate, I hate the, this team. Evan Gassiker and all you Falcons fans out there, I was so anti-Falcons for an entire year. And they two. would just, two years. Great point, Stephen. No matter what, and if, I will say, for the most part, I, I drilled it the last couple of years. This year, I've been yes. wrong so much because I thought they were the exact same Falcons team. I thought they were going to come out and win four or five games. Then they go out and kind of shock the world the first month or two of the season. They're playing everybody tough. Now they're sitting at five and eight. Not necessarily a great record, but very much alive in the NFC South. I was stunned looking at this line. It was four and a half. How many points do you think Vegas considers Marcus Mariota is worth? Because I think four and a half would have been high if Mariota was the starter. Do you really think that Desmond Ritter is not going to improve at least a passing offense 
So I'm, I'm definitely Atlanta plus four and a half. And I'm going to go as far to say, I think that they're going to win this game. And I think that you're going to have the Evan Desikers of the world in a very precarious situation on Monday. Do I root for failure? Do I root for those draft picks? Or do I want to tease myself a little bit with Desmond Ritter and get a playoff run for no reason whatsoever? Get a home playoff game with Desmond Ritter for no reason whatsoever. Figure out what you guys got. So for the last time, I'm going to ride with the Dirty Birds to win and cover. And when it fails, and it will because I'm on it, they're pretty much dead to me again until July next year. And then I'll start doing what I usually do and buy back in. That'd be kind of fun if Atlanta made it. If if I'm doing the math correctly and I have the playoff picture in my mind correctly, would that be in Atlanta? Would that be Dallas going to Atlanta to open up the playoffs, which they could lose because Dallas loves choking? Yes, that is. Ex- it gives you big vibes of New Orleans going up to Seattle to the seven and nine Seahawks for the the beast quake. Yeah, God. Give me New Orleans minus four and a half. Give me the under 42 and a half. I, you're way too high in Desmond Ritter for not seeing him. And I guess I'm too low on him for not seeing him at the same time. So it's a double-edged sword. But his first NFL star, Arthur Smith's not going to let – they're going to let him throw the ball, not Marcus Mariota. Two of the worst ATS teams with Atlanta being cold. They started six and one. They are no seven and six ATS. Do that real quick. That's one and five over the last month and a half. Atlanta's a bottom 3D in terms of yards. You just can't expect Desmond Ritter just to miraculously change this offense, who's missing arguably their best player in Kyle Pitts, at least pass-catching-wise. He's going to turn the ball over in his first NFL action. It's against a division opponent. We know what that front four and that front seven looks like with New Orleans. We'll see if Marcus Lattimore can finally get back in the game. I know he's missed eight or nine weeks consecutively. Give me the Saints in this matchup. Four and a half. Under 42 and a half. Oh, which is 43, which is even better for my under. Lock that one in. Question for you. And this is Answer, stupid. We're, we're already, I'm breaking out in hives right now. I feel like I have shingles because we're talking about the Atlanta Falcons this much and I'm the reason for it. <laughs> but people. Look how far you've come. Look how far I've come. My God, he's right. This spring, this past spring, the big talking points around the quarterbacks, everyone had their own kind of belief. Like Kenny Pickett was going to be the guy that was most pro-ready. Malik Willis, he was the most dynamic, a guy that was going to need time, but he had all of the intangibles. Desmond Ritter was given the, he is the most ready to be a leader in an NFL locker room. We saw what happened in, in New York with Mike White. That team has completely bought in on Mike White, do you give credence to that at all? Like the fact that Desmond Ritter is probably going to come in and immediately have the respect of these veterans in the locker room. Do you think that that makes a difference here? Or is this just a, I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's still a rookie making his first start. Where are you at? Yeah. And I think in Mike White, that's such a, it's a good comparison, but at the same time, he was in that building for like a year or two before they had that. So that's something where you can build a relationship a little bit more, especially if you have the same amount of players that maybe you got drafted and they're succeeding and they're seeing your work that you're putting in. Yeah, which you can also say about Desmond Ritter, but he's just so young that, yes, quarterback position, a lot of those players, if you're a true professional, they just automatically will go into, I will just build into your leadership because that's your role. 
I need to know my spot in the team, even though I'm an all pro pro bowl or whatever it may be. That's just the way that it goes. And I don't know if Desmond's going to have that quick turnaround here. Cause all of a sudden now that's a steep drop off too, without Marcus Mariota kind of backing the up. He had left the team. I'm assuming because of this, it wasn't sporadic that he was going to leave. I don't think that he's going to, for him, it's going to be play on the field that's going to help you buy in a locker room versus a Mike White who has been in the environment and that organization for a couple of years. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it does. And uh, it's just a weird quarterback situation to begin with because I feel like Ritter would have and probably should have been starting a while ago. And for some reason, we kept trotting out Mark, or, uh, Marcus Mariota. I get that you wanted Ritter. And this is coming off a bye. A very late buy, but it's coming off a buy. It's just weird to me that we waited this long to figure out what we have. But the Detroit Lions, one and a half point road favorites against the New York Jets. Back to life. back favorites. Butts and Brock were looking at you. Not only back to back favorites, back to back favorites against potential playoff teams. And on the road in this one, no less. The total's 44 and a half. The Jets will be starting Mike White, assuming a setback doesn't take place between now and Sunday. Zach Wilson will be on the active roster to back up Mike White for the first time since his benching. David has Detroit money line. He is the captain of that Lions, I guess, fan club at this point of non-fans. I am going to agree with him and actually one up because I'm going minus one and a half. I'm not even taking the money line. I'm not afraid of the Lions winning by one or the tie. I'm confident here in the Lions to win this game. And frankly, I think it's the game I'm most excited to watch this week. It has the highest stakes. The Jets are now in a position where you'd imagine they have to win this game to make it. I think the Lions are in a very similar spot. For instance, the Jets, their remaining schedule is this Lions team a Jaguars team trying to slip in, the Seahawks trying to slip in, and the Dolphins. The Lions play the Jets, Panthers, Bear, and the Packers. Much easier, but they have a fewer, or they have one less win than the Jets. So it is very important for either of these teams to win this game. You wouldn't imagine either can make the playoffs without it, which leads me to just believe that Dan Campbell has a special group of guys in the midst of a special year they're going to go and get it done. It's not a damning thing to the Jets. They're just early. Where are you? Do you think that the Lions get back to 500 after a brutal start to the year? Or are you going with the New York Jets, who frankly are not getting the respect they deserve either after a few very close losses to very good teams? Close loss. This game is the hardest game to bet on the Sunday slate or the Saturday, Sunday, week 15 slate there. I got it. Detroit, they have been hot. But what defenses have they played? I'll give you the Bills on Thanksgiving. That's when Vaughn got hurt. And they had, I believe, like Gregory Russo and Ed Oliver, a couple of those guys were out already. But overall, what is that defense done? And let's not forget about what Detroit's defense is, right? Mike White actually has an opportunity of putting on a display here, something that we've seen him do in the past. Not, It's kind of rare. He'll come in every now and again and then following following those games with something not as good. The Jets have just quietly been holding people to like 20 or below with a couple like they're Denver to nine. Uh, there was someone they held to 10. Like this defense is real. So this is going to be a big test for Jared Goff and what this offense has been doing. High power. Amaran St. Brown 
V Sauce Gardner. I need that in my veins. That is something I will definitely be watching. God, you know, I okay, saw... Pause. I have to ask. Sorry to cut you off. Can you're you give me a, a one to ten confidence level? Because I was very no. split, and I'm. I'm. You're talking me into wanting to bet the Jets right now. So I need. If you it to makes tell it me. easier for you, you were almost talking me into picking the lines. Damn I'm going to go. The, I'm going with the Jets plus one and a half. You know, Detroit. It's a good team, and I'm not. I'm not going to be surprised if Detroit wins this. I just think I'm going to go with defense on this game, something that Detroit can't play. They haven't been good. It's been their Achilles heel. We'll see how, let's see what calls Dan Campbell's coming up on. Special teams is going to be something that can win this game. We know how ballsy Dan is liking to go for it with fake punts. I don't know if he's going to whip it out back-to-back weeks because Solid's going to know what's happening. But on the other side, you got Aiden Hutchinson that's going to be able to go up against a injured New York Jets line. If this was Zach Wilson, my energy is completely different just as much as I, I would think the spread is as well. But I like New York. I like them in this spot. This is a game that they need outside in MetLife. I just like where the Jets are at right now compared to where the Lions are, even though the Lions are the way hotter team. I just like the defense of New York to really kind of slow down Jared Goff. I hate you a lot. I know. I, well, you're on the one. One of us is winning the one and a half. Well, I know, and you, but I really want to kind of actually jump to your side almost, just because this feels like the hope bowl. They like the team that wins it. It's like the future's here, and if you lose, you like want to like go and hug their fans and just say, "Guys, you're this close. You just need one more year. You're gonna be fine. Just just hold on." It's funny that you said the Jets are. A little bit too early. This is the this is the a little bit too early bowl between Detroit and New York. You wouldn't think that, especially the way Detroit started one and six, that they weren't going to be. If you're going to, if I would have put my house on it, but yeah, oh yeah, Detroit's going to be battling to be five hundred in week fifteen. Oh, starting one and six, I'll put my house on that. They won't. I'd be homeless right now. But it's it's just that they're way too ahead of their time ball right now and i think that yeah the result of one of these teams winning is going to be an overreaction and then the result of it the result of the losers all right well we got next year like i think we can get it together it's awesome too because i love these coaches both of them are, are just yes it, like they're charismatic you can tell their locker room loves them to death and they're just tough and it sucks that you'd imagine the loser of this game is almost eliminated from the head coach of the year conversation because I think both of these guys have very strong claims, especially if they make the playoffs. And that's what I think this is turning into is whoever wins, I would say is over a coin flip chance to make it. But if you lose, you're all but dead. Like you're not going to make it after starting six and eight as your Alliance fan. And unfortunately for the Jets, you don't own the tiebreaker, and you were behind the Chargers and the New England Patriots. I God, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Again, how confident are you? I need it. I need. I want to jump. I want to jump. Do, do you have room on the bandwagon? The J E T S Jets, Jets, Jets. Are we going to take a PJ together? For the record, there is always room for one Walter Lukashansky if I'm going on any bandwagon, but. Give me confidence level, just like a two. And I would say the same thing in your position, I think, too. Damn it. All right. I'm going to I'm going to ride with it, baby. 
I'm riding with my Detroit minus one and a half. And I'll, the only reason I'm doing it is because you're up a lot of units and I need some way, somehow to at least get back and make it look competitive. And that's not going to happen if I jump and just ride with you. So I'm going to stay with the Lions minus one and a half, but damn it, I don't feel good about it. Your Atlanta money line might help you out here a little bit, but we'll see. <laughs> We've got the Kansas Kansas City's traveling to Houston this week where the Chiefs are 14-point road favorites with a total set at 49 and a half. I'm keeping this one easy for me. Give me the over 49 and a half. I don't want to get these big spreads. I'm not a big fan of them. I just think the Chiefs can cover them this on their own. I'm not touching the spread. I don't think Kansas City's defense, they're not like an elite defense. They might let up a touchdown or two here. No Damian Pierce for the Texans. They waved Eno Benjamin, which is the second time a kid's been waved in a month. I feel extremely bad for him because I remember like it was yesterday, aka two months ago, people were clamoring about picking him up off the waiver. He's not a bad back. I know, but I mean, my man James Conner just ran his ass out of town. Fuck um, you. <laughs> so give me the over 49 and a half here. We got David taking the Kansas City money line. Yeah, gee, wonder why he's down so many units. And then uh, what are you, who are you going to pick here? Oh, my God. Stray shot to David when he's not here to defend himself. I Love am, you, David. I am at this point kind of, again, it's almost like Hail Mary season where I'm betting a lot of things. They try to get back in the the loop here. So I have the money line for Kansas city. And for the record, that is going to pay like a dollar 50 on a $10 bet. Maybe if they win. They're at minus nine fifty as of when we were making this rundown, keep so talking what, and I'll look even. it up. On... That's not even that would be minus nine fifty. You'd probably make about a dollar back dollar 20 cents or so. Unless you're big ball in the nine and just put nine fifty on to win a hundo. Yeah, I wish that that's how I got to start getting it. Be like, I'll put a thousand units on this. That's how I win. But no, I'm going to take KC money line, the under 49 and a half. And this is where it's crazy. We hate these big spreads. We all do because everyone on earth does. I don't know why we keep saying it because it's not very unique, but the Kansas city chiefs are going to boat race houston 14 is low they're gonna cover and the reason why is because houston had that 17 and a half point i guess uh spread last week against the dallas cowboys and they played such an emotional game a game that everybody had already you know it was dallas is gonna beat the shit out of this team houston their goose is cooked the season's over they have the number one overall pick lovey smith is fired Davis Mills won't have a job. It's only negative coming out about Houston. They play so tough. They should have won that game. They didn't. And that just makes it feel like an emotional letdown is impending. Steven, I'd go as far to say this. I think that the Chiefs are going to win this game by three-plus touchdowns. I think this is... This is alternate spread territory because I Ooh. the Chiefs, what happened last week in their game? Even if you want to take it the other side, they were up 27 to nothing against a pathetic Denver Broncos offense, a moribund Denver Broncos offense. And what happened? They gave up three straight touchdowns, let them back in. Had Brett Rippon not been Brett Rippon, there's a real chance that the Denver Broncos beat Kansas City after they were up four touchdowns last week. 
yeah, Houston sucks and that they're on an emotional letdown. Doesn't it also make you think that Andy Reid and the Chiefs are going to be over like hyper vigilant to get that lead and stay on it this week? We have to fix these bad habits. This is a great way to prove it after last week. That's why I'm going with the spread too. But let's go now. But let's go now to the Windy City where the boys from the city of brotherly love are coming into town and the Eagles are minus nine total is 48 and a half good news for Eagles fans this week. And that's all they need is more good news after the year they're having Dallas Goddard is designated to return from IR. So we'll see if he actually plays this week. If not, he will be back very short, uh, very soon. They signed veteran safety, Anthony Harris. He was with the team last year in this, Preseason as well, and it comes on the heels of Reed Blankenship's knee sprain this last week. You and I, unfortunately, were talking pre-show, and I know where you're going on this one. You don't like Justin Fields and the Bears to cover here. Can you tell me why not? This is a bad, 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 bad Chicago defense, right? They, they've lost their three best players from the offseason. Cleo Mack getting traded, Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith getting traded here mid-season. I don't think that they have the offensive firepower to keep up with Philadelphia. Now, granted, I think that the Bears can do a little damage here. Good luck. That offensive line against that front four of Philadelphia and the ever-changing positions of D tackles constantly having fresh legs. Unfortunately, Robert Quinn's not going to be here for the reunion uh, going against his boys there in Chicago, but Jalen hurts is a man possessed right now. They're going to light it up. AJ Brown touchdown. I just don't think they're going to make this a contest. I think it's going to be just like last week where they smoked the giants from the first snap until the last snap. There's not going to be anything. I'm sure Justin Fields is going to rip off a 60 yard rush touchdown here from a broken play. That's about it. It's honestly not even a knock on Chicago. We all know how far behind they are. We know what they've been just, they've been exceeding expectations offensively after kind of switching it up here well, against New England about a month, month and a half ago. But I just think that Philly is rolling and I feel bad about anyone who is in their way right now. Give me Philly nine over 48 and a half. David loves the money line. He's not, in love enough to take the minus nine. This is where you and I always love to poke fun at David. He is much more conservative on these bets. That'll probably return something like $3 on a $10 bet somewhere in that neighborhood. I'm going to go with the money line as well because I'm a coward, but I'm going to take the over 48 and a half as well for the reasons you did. The Eagles might score 195 points on Sunday. The Bears defense is some level of bad right now. They obviously moved on from Robert Quinn, Roquan Smith, Brisker's hurt. It's just been a, oh, and who else? Eric, uh, Eddie Jackson's hurt as well. They're just falling apart right now defensively, and the Eagles can't be stopped. 48 and a half is criminally low, not to mention, what is the Achilles heel of the Philadelphia defense that everybody wants to talk about? The rushing defense. Justin Fields is going to have a big day on the ground, and he opens up the running game for those Bears running backs. The over, I'm in love with that bet. I probably should only take that and not touch Philly money line because there is that element of fear with Justin Fields, regardless of how he's done in these close games so far to this point. You get worried 
because there's, there's just not enough reward with taking a money line, but I will let David talk me into it. Pittsburgh is going to Carolina. It's the Wally versus Steven hometown bowl here. The Panthers. I know we don't care about these teams either. At, at all, whatsoever, for either team. The Panthers are minus two and a half with a total of 37 and a half. Not a lot of news this week from either of these teams. I guess you expect that with the position they're both in in the season, four and five wins, or five wins for both of them, respectively. Excuse me. I'm taking the Pittsburgh money line. I have become a slave to the Inzer way of life in the last month where I can't stop betting the Steelers because you can feel how close they are to just being back as a decent team, not necessarily like a contender, but a team that can at least compete with anybody. I just like the idea of a Mike Tomlin-led team knowing that, you know what a loss here does, Steven? It guarantees Mike Tomlin's first losing season in his NFL coaching career. I'm tired of hearing about it. So at some point, I hope it fails and goes to the point where they're eight and nine, just so I don't have to deal with it next year. But for right now, I want one more week of the talk. I think that the Steelers are going to win this week. I really don't have any good reason why, other than the fact that Chuba Hubbard, Chuba Hubbard, whatever one it is, however you pronounce it, he's not going to be able to run on this defense. And Sam Darnold is still a starting quarterback, or I guess is now back to being a starting quarterback, and he sucks. He only threw for like 120 some odd yards last week in a 35. If he takes sacks away, are you serious? Dead ass. And that should tell you. I mean, they scored 30 points against Seattle. That's how bad the Seattle defense is. But it also is a testament that Sam Darnold is not an NFL quarterback and he's a yes man. So he'll be around for a million years as a backup, but he fucking sucks. He fucking sucks. Why are we? Why do we have to keep pretending like Sam Darnold is still a quarterback? Like that can magically turn it on. He's not the 2008 number three overall pick we thought he was. And when I say we, that is a very not you and me. We that is pundits as a whole. Where was the love? I don't. I still to this day do not understand what we watched at USC to make Sam Darnold feel like a, a an NFL quarterback. He scored 50 points against Penn State in a Rose Bowl. Congratulations. I like the Steelers are going to win this game and I wish I could put multiple units on it. I can't because of honor system, but I'm taking them and that's going to be a plus money hit. And it's going to bring me back closer to you guys. David has plus two and a half. Fuck. He has money line too. That kind of hurts. Kind of takes the wind out of my sails. He's literally going to open up a lead on me. If I'm right. Then you know what? Fucking honor system. Let's put some units on it. No, fuck. Well, you know what I'm going to do instead in the moment, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm going to stay clear. David has plus two and a half the money line and the under of 37 and a half. My play is to hope that they score more than 37 and a half. And that brings me back closer. But I can see that you disagree. Why do you have the under of 37 and a half? Combined over 26 games, the under between these two teams have hit 16 out of those 26 times. This is going to be a defensive matchup against two struggling offenses. Pickett, Trubisky, fucking throw Charlie Batch in there. I don't care. This is just a I – I don't trust that either of these teams. Sam Darnold threw for 105 yards. Maybe Carolina can run all over Pittsburgh like Baltimore did last week. 
I, which they had 215 yards. I doubt it. I just like the defensive matchups. I think J.C. Horn, J.C. Horn and George Pickett, there's another fun young DB wide receiver matchup. You can almost flip it to the other side and see what T.J. Watt's going to do against quietly the best rookie tackle in the league right now. I don't think he's given up a sack since like week six or something like that. You got Minka Fitzpatrick going up against an inept passing defense. I just like what they – I like what Pittsburgh can do. I'm going to throw Pittsburgh plus two in here as well. But give me the under 37 and a half. My only fear is that this is a game that you're going to see a very good Panthers defense and a very opportunistic Steelers defense get a score. Because that's all it's going to take. There's a defensive touchdown in this game. If that I'm with you. And if that is the case, then all of a sudden you only need 30 points. Does that worry you at all? Do you think that it's still in play? Oh, no. God, no. God, no. this isn't Seattle's defense. I don't think that they're going to be able to run all over it. And I think with what Baltimore was going to, what Baltimore was able to do to come out victorious, it's something that Mike Tomlin and Brian Flores are going to really, really focus on this week so that it doesn't happen again. Because if you're a good coach, which I think that they have on that staff, you realize we can't let that happen again, especially against a team that just ran all over Seattle. That's what their game plan was last week. We got to make Sam Darnold throw the ball. We got to make him step back. TJ Watt, do your thing. Let's come out of here victorious. All right. Well, damn it. You talked me in. You have the rundown over there. Throw my under on there as well, because I do want the under with you. While you're typing that in so we can keep track, we will go on to the next game where the Dallas Cowboys are four and a half point favorites going to Duval. In the Jaguars, where the total is 47 and a half. A lot of news actually going into this game. So give me a second while I paint the picture. Mike McCarthy is hopeful that this week Tyron Smith can make his season debut. This is coming on the heels of placing offensive tackle Terrence Steele on IR with his ACL and MCL injury this last week. Veteran offensive tackle Jason Peters stepped in to replace him and will likely stay there at right tackle. That's a lot of age there on the left and right tackle position. Got to hope they can stay healthy the rest of the way. They also claimed cornerback Trayvon Mullen off waivers this week. Mullen was traded to Arizona from Las Vegas this offseason, and he was waived by Arizona this last week. The Jaguars, though, Trayvon Walker, the number one overall pick, is day-to-day with a high ankle injury. Ian Rappaport did report earlier today that that is typically week-to-week, so there's a very real chance he's not playing. And this is a crazy stat. You talked about last week having fun stats, and you were full of them. I've got one for you this week. Only team in either Southern Division not to have a negative point differential this year. Their point differential is zero. <laughs> That's bad. That's not good. That That is not great. I'll tell you Davis points. He even has a comment here I'll read to you. He has Dallas minus four and a half, the money line in the overall 47 and a half with the statement that the Cowboys and the Jaguars come into this matchup seventh and ninth respectively in expected points added, a.k.a. EPA. So I guess that is his reasoning. So I'm going to disagree with it. And I'm taking the under of 47 and a half. Because Dak has been terrible the last two weeks, Steven. People like you, 
think that giving up 320 some odd yards last week means that Dallas should have this tornado sirens warning blaring about the defense in Dallas. Perfect math for a 21 to 17 Cowboys win. They're still good. They had a week that they were just sleepwalking through. It's no big deal. Just take the under. Wouldn't it be surprised that who team or what team wins here? But 47 and a half is a whole hell of a lot of points, man. Now, let's get this right. I wasn't alarmed about what you the defense did. You used the literal word alarmed. I was alarmed about how good the defense is allowing that to happen. I'm not I'm not going into my barricade because of tornadoes coming. But I'm like, all right, the top three defense, top three scoring out defense the as well. You're peeking I wanted, out the window. It's it's cloudy. It's rainy. I'm curious. Absolutely. <laughs> As a weatherman like yourself, sorry if I'm exploiting you, I thought I would think that you would enjoy that. But Duval, <laughs> winners, three of their last five, they're averaging 24 and a half points per game. Dallas just scraping by Houston last week was alarming. I will well, say there it is the alarming, alarming word. But you I'm not the alarming sounding word. the I'm not sounding the alarm, but this is the alarm for the alarms, though. Yes, right? This is this is the first snooze. Okay, I'll get through it. We'll see what happens next. Jacksonville is riding high after winning for the first time in Tennessee in almost a decade. I just like what they have there. Like, to your point, Dak hasn't really been playing well. I think that defense is going to bounce back. But you know who else has been playing really well? Something you alluded to, I think, a couple weeks ago. Trevor Lawrence. He's been kind of getting it together here a little bit. I like what they're doing. I like the energy they're bringing. Got to Gotta shout out my boy Dougie Peterson. Give me Duval plus four and a half. And I'm gonna go as far as give me their money line as well. Because Dallas kept it too close last week. I cannot wait to have my heart ripped out. But my favorite thing about this game is we're all in different directions. I got Jacksonville plus four and a half and money line. David's riding with the Dallas and the over, and you're just riding with the under. So one of us is truly gonna be happy. Wow, it truly is only gonna be one because David's over even makes it so that nothing. There's not a single outcome in this game that we uniformly agree to. I like this. We need that parity. The Arizona Cardinals heading to mile high where the Denver Broncos are three-point favorites. Total set at 36 and a half. We already alluded to Steve Kime, GM, stepping away. We got Kyler Murray out, ACL. We got Rondell Moore placed on the IR. We got Colt McCoy starting here. But Randy Gregory is designated to return from IR. Hopeful to play on Sunday. And with that, give me the Broncos minus two and a half. You know I want to take that under at 36 and a half. This defense is going to shut down Colt McCoy. We'll see if Russell will clear the protocol and pick up where he left off in that Kansas City game. I guess a bottom 12 defense in terms of yards. I just have no faith in Arizona right now defensively. And on the offensive side, not that I had hope with Kyler, but I definitely don't have him when he's out. Give me the Broncos two and a half and that under 36 and a half. David has the under of 36 and a half. You have the under of 36 and a half, and so do I. That scares me. Russell Wilson, for 30 real-time minutes last week, touched the basketball in Space Jam, and he got his powers back. Do you think that there's a chance that that is like a sign of things that come? Has Russell Wilson finally figured it out? Is he back, or do you really think that I don't know. Maybe that was a Kansas City team that laid off the gas. Like, wh- where are you? I want to start with that before I even start talking. Do you think that Russell Wilson is in there still? 
Starting, I hope. He needs to get in there because that's the only way I can actually be right about this game. But to completely sidetrack between these two teams, there's only been um, two and there it is. Eight. They're gonna love there's <laughs> eight games. That's the amount of times that between Arizona and Denver, the game has gone over. Eight times between their, what, 24, 25 games. So 66% of it's on the under. That's the only sidetrack I want to get. Wow, yeah. You, Wilson, Wilson, throwing... is he back? Is he in there? Yeah, let's get it. But who gives a shit? It's going to be under. We're talking way too much about this game. I know. We're, we're already at the point where it's Carolina and Pittsburgh. We had a stat on their unders hitting, and it just got blown away by this one. And that scares me because both of those unders were in the 36-37 range. Oh, God. Russell Wilson is the bane of my existence. <laughs> Where but he, I am, he's like a he's like if Bane met a Jehovah Jehovah's Witness. That's yeah. Russ. I, I'm do just. You, do uh, you have a moment to speak about our Lord Jesus Christ? And I'm just. I was I was uh, born in the Christ, Batman. I was born in the Christ, Batman. Uh, I just. What worries me is that I have been just dancing on the grave of Russell Wilson in the Denver Broncos for the last two months. And I'm going to be so, because this is the perfect game for me. Under 36 and a half with Denver and Arizona is the recipe for me not even have to watch these two teams, which I detest. I just know what will happen is now it will be 31 to 28. Denver because Colt McCoy and Russell Wilson turned the clock back to 2011, and I don't want to deal with it. I'm going with the under. We're just going to leave it at that. I hope I'm wrong. Or no, no, I don't hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm very right. Fuck Russell Wilson. Yeah. Wilson. Fuck the Denver Broncos. Fuck them all. The New England Patriots go to Las Vegas. Interesting storylines when you consider Ziegler and uh, McDaniel in their roots to New England. Going to welcome in their old employer. Raiders are one-point favorites, crazy enough. Totals 44 and a half. Couple notes on the Patriots and their pass rush. Josh Uche has had 10 sacks in the last six weeks. They had five, or he had five in his first five weeks of the year. And Matthew Judon leads the NFL with 14 and a half sacks, and he is only four behind Hall of Famer Andre Pip or Tippett for New England single season record of 18 and a half. Good news for Raider fans, though. Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro are designated to return from IR. Hopefully, they're both ready to play in this game. David has New England plus one. I have Las Vegas minus one, and shame on me. I also have the under of 44 and a half. The Patriots are in the bottom of the league running the ball in the last two months. Hard to believe with this team. But with the Raiders not having to respect it, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones are going to feast. The Raiders are also big fans of winning meaningless games to hurt their draft position, which, great, that's exactly what I want right now. Perfect candidate. Perfect candidate for a 21-16 to 16 Raiders win that is non-rememberable. There's not fun moments. It just adds a week onto my existence of there being that stupid in-the-hunt graphic because the Raiders have a 1.2% chance to make the playoffs. Love the Raiders in the yeah. air. What do you have? 
as a man who's seen his team had a 1.2% chance of not losing games that they're up by, you'd have to give some sort maybe this is the lead that they don't, maybe it's the time that someone else blows the lead and you come into the playoffs. With that being said, give me the Patriots plus one. Rayleigh does a first year coach, even though it is Josh McDaniels second time around slash former coaches of Bill Belichick actually have success against them. And if it's the first time around, typically not too often, unless your name is Brian Flores that one time. Bill Belly's going to cook something up for Joshy boy. Matt Judon, you even hit it, and Josh Hughes, they're going to be coming from that offensive line. And to your point, not like Mad Max and uh, Chandler Jones aren't going to do the same thing on there, but they're going to wreak havoc on Derek Carr. Can Mac Jones finally have a good game? This would be the game to do it against that secondary if you can't get time because of the aforementioned Mad Max and Chandler Jones on the other side. This is going to be an ugly game. This is going to be a pick by the time it comes around Sunday. But right now, give me the Patriots plus one. Wally, I'm sorry, but maybe the Raiders will fade me and win. No, here's the thing. Don't apologize. First of all, I don't care if they win or not. And honestly, if anything, I should hope they lose for the drop position. But my brother in Christ, Stephen, I'm going to tell you, I'm helping you right now. The under is a guaranteed lock in this game. All right, I'll throw the under in, bud. That's all I had to tell you because here – they're not going to give up more than 20 points, maybe 21 to the Patriots. Like this is this game is 24 to 20, 24 to 17 at best. Like neither it's going to be a gross game where both teams have like 350 yards, but they can't score in the red zone. The under's a lock. I'm just telling you. Good. Under's I got Nick Folk on my uh got Nick Folk on my fantasy team. He saved me last week. He's gonna be your best friend this week. I'm telling you, he's a an eight to eleven point kicker on Sunday. You want up more. We're, we're adding up. Play clock up. We're going up. 15? That's fine with me. Tennessee. Tennessee. Oh. Oh, okay. look at us. Okay, the Tennessee Titans are headed to SoFi Stadium where the Chargers are three-point favorites. Total set at 46 and a half. Wally, I cut you off. I'll let you have the floor for this one first. David and I are rocking the Chargers minus three. He also has the money line. I do not. I probably should. But the Titans and the Vikings have the worst pass defense in the NFL right now, and it's not close. You and I could go up there with that Nerf ball, and I think we're thrown over the top on these teams. It's a bad time to get Justin Herbert coming off of the best game of his career, one of the best quarterbacking performances we've seen in years. The Titans will try their best to establish Derrick Henry and run on a Chargers defense. That is typically not great at stopping the run in their own right. But if they're not able to score and score in bunches early, I think that they're going to be playing from behind and get themselves in a lot of trouble. I love the Chargers right now. Their wild card talks heat up. And the Titans, they're not only leaving the door open now, they're opening it for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Very much alive. I'm on the opposite side here. Give me Tennessee plus 30 and their money line. Here's why. Tennessee's been drowning the last three weeks. Yes. Even though I want to take Jacksonville to win the division, you have to remember, they're playing the chargers the team who loves loves to lose games after convincing wins four and two against the spread following a loss but three and three following a win for the los angeles chargers so it's a true 50 50 shot here i feel like based off the trends of what we've seen with the Chargers and how much they burned me over the last couple years right when we're on the precipice of crowning the chargers as maybe taking that step they take a step or two back the following week. I'm sticking on that trend here. I like the Tennessee Titans at plus three. Give me their money line to upset Chargers in um, what in Nashville West. 
I can't remember. Everybody is everything West. Everything West when you go to LA, they have no fans. They deserve no teams, let alone two. SoFi Stadium being a $4 billion facility or whatever the hell it was is the only reason that they still have a football team. I'm whatever. I'm, I'm not going to even get on that anymore. It doesn't matter. Chargers win. Steven's wrong. And we'll get on to the next game where the okay. Bengals, the Bengals are three and a half point road favorites in Tampa Bay where the total is 43 and a half. I'll once again, paint the picture for you a little bit of news going into this game. Trey Hendrickson broke his wrist on Sunday in the fourth quarter, somehow managed to keep playing. It's just like these NFL players are so much tougher to me. I can't physically understand it, but he will be out some time. He's top five in pressure rate this entire season for edge rushers. Sam Hubbard will have to carry more of the load, who ironically is top 10 in pressures this season. It is such an undercover pass rush that I don't feel like ever gets talked about in Cincinnati. And when you factor in how good their back seven is, you can see why they've had the success they've had. And they have been the league leading 10 and three team against the spread this year. They were eight no to end last year as well. The Buccaneers will be without Julio Jones, or at least it looks like that. And they are, yeah, no kidding. And they're another of these three division teams or three division leaders with negative point differential minus 30 should also point out if I had to say it before the Titans Titans, okay. Minus 35 on the year. It's it's crazy that they're a division leader. But anyways, let's go to you first. Where are you at with this game? Do you think that Tom Brady, you'd imagine with the win, it all but guarantees another playoff berth, a loss, the door's very open. What are you thinking here? Cincinnati's just been so hot. Tampa's been cold. They've been injury-ridden on both sides of the ball. They, there's no consistency. They have just looked ugly. They've got their, they've just gotten their shit pushed in, for lack of a better term. There's nothing I can trust about this Tampa team coming into this year. How often are you are you finding yourself betting against Tom Brady? I think I've bet more against Tom Brady this year than I have throughout his whole career collectively, at least my gambling career when I was able to do it or once I started. It's hard. Give me Cincinnati minus three and a half, but something I think that you guys should keep your eye on, and it, and if it's at the 21 or, or higher, definitely look at it. The team total for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're hitting at an under, like I want to say 11 or 12 and one this year. They are bad. They are just not scoring over 20 plus points. And, Take advantage of it now before the season's over. I can almost guarantee it's going to be right around that 19 or 20 mark. Because if the total is, like, yeah. I was going to say, if the total is 43 and a half and you have a three and a half point line for the Bengals, that would in, imply that they're calling a 23 and a half to 20 final score with the Bengals. So find that to- team total there. And I think I love that. The only thing that I'd worry about, and, and I should point out too, that David has the Bengals money line. I'm with you. I have the Bengals minus three and a half. And I feel like this is this week is last week all over again for the Buccaneers. They were three and a half point road dogs against San Francisco. We need to stop giving the Buccaneers the 2020 treatment. They fucking suck. They have no offensive line. They have no offensive line. And even with Hendrickson out, Hubbard, Reeder, and Hill, and company for that matter, will be more than up for the task. The Bengals defensive coordinator, Lou Anamaruo, I want to say, Anaruo, Rumo, 
I don't. I can never. It, these Italian people, man, they're killing me. But he will play Ben. Don't break defense yet again, and more or less force the Bucks to win in the red zone. And they're not going to be able to. You trust Joe Burrow in the offense. They're going to get points up. I don't know how the Bucks can cover this game unless it's a backdoor cover. And even then, I think it's going to be very tough. I love the Bengals minus three and a half. Sunday night football. New York Giants going to Washington, who are four and a half point favorites. The total is 40 and a half. Barkley only played 20 snaps last week against Philadelphia. Off the injury report completely going into this week, so we know we'll get him. Commanders also designating Carson Wentz to be activated off of injury reserve. He will be backing up Taylor Heineke. Fun fact about this total of 40 and a half, it was the same total two weeks ago when these teams tied 20 to 20. So it hit the under by half a point because neither team scored in overtime. Do you like the total in this game one way or another? And who are you going with? Give me the Giants plus four and a half. Give me the under at 40 and a half. You know, the divisional unders have been hitting like crazy this year. And I think that this is too big of a spread against two teams that only tied two weeks ago. It was very competitive. I could see that almost happening again. And ideally, I wish it, I hope they tie again 20 to 20 because I'd hit both my bets right here. I think New York can get it done. I don't know if I want to ride the hype train of the commanders quite yet. This is just an ugly game that I really don't even care about going into detail with. Give me the Giants plus four and a half. Give me the under 40 and a half. Yeah, I, like I said, the under hit two weeks ago with the exact same number because no one scored more than in the 10 minutes of overtime. But I, I want to join you with the Barkley continuing to fall off. I think that you, me, and David have talked about it going back to the usage a month ago. And since that moment, the Giants have fallen off a cliff. Washington is going to score enough to, I think, make the total in play. I should be taking the minus four and a half, but I am just a little concerned about what happened a couple weeks ago. So like David, I'm just taking Washington money line. The Giants are imploding, running on fumes. And another one of those teams, you just have to hope that their fans understand that they're a year early. Don't run out Brian Dayball because they accidentally won games when they shouldn't have early in the year. If anything, be encouraged by that. But New York fans, that part of the country, worthless individuals. So they won't know that. I just hope Brian Dayball gets freed eventually. But I, I love Washington Moneyline. Again, you're just a year early, New York fans. I just hope that they're not too stupid to see it. Which leads us into Monday Night Football, where the Los Angeles Rams and the Baker Mayfield-led Rams go to Lambeau. They get your Green Bay Packers, who are six-and-a-half-point favorites. Total is 39-and-a-half. If there was any doubt at all, Baker Mayfield is the starting quarterback and will be going forward. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just giving you David and my picks, and it's your game to talk about. David has the Rams plus six and a half and Green Bay money line. His reasoning, he thinks Green Bay is terrible and shouldn't win this game by seven plus. I'm going Green Bay money line in the under of 39 and a half. What are your Packers going to do against Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield coming back to Green Bay almost a calendar year from his four interception game on Christmas Day in the gorgeous historical Lambeau field, which I got to attend in person and watch, which was glorious. 
yeah, give me the Packers plus six, or minus six and a half. Even when the Rams are fully started, they are beating the Rams by more than this. They bring LA to Lambeau in December. It's cold. It's snowy. They just cannot hang almost like it's two going up to Buffalo. Oh, there I go. Contradicting myself. I just like how green Bay set up here. I just de- defensively, the Rams just aren't the same. I think Jalen Ramsey will lock up whoever. I'm sure he'll lock up Christian Watson if they have him or just kind of going all over the map. No Aaron Donald's going to be huge. And then on, on the offensive side of the ball, yeah, okay, no. You don't have no Cooper Cup. We'll see if Allen Robinson's playing. Baker Mayfield's your quarterback with a shitty offensive line. I think Green Bay's defense can actually look good. Wouldn't be surprised if Cam Akers went off. I'm going to throw Cam Akers in my touchdown parlay here because that's how bad the Packers rush defense is. But – if you're going to cause Baker Mayfield to throw it, Green Bay's got one of those nice pass defenses. I don't have, I haven't looked at them in a while because they haven't given me a reason to look. Give me Green Bay minus six and a half. I feel it in my bones, but I'm also ready to be wrong. With that, that's going to wrap us up on our week 15 preview here. Before we toss it out, toss you out, let's give the prop lock and drop it here for the week. We'll go with David. David's prop lock and drop. He's got a parlay prop. Under two and a half receptions for Noah Fan at plus 115. Under one and a half receptions for Will Disley at plus 147, and under two and a half receptions for Goodwin, which I'm then confused about. Marquise Goodwin? Two, I don't know. Maybe I that's it. Marquise Goodwin at minus 152. His lock is the Miami Buffalo game, which he chose Buffalo minus seven and the money line, I want to say. And then his drop, any game Cleveland or Las Vegas is playing in the remainder of the season. Also, Atlanta versus New Orleans. Okay, Wally, what about you? Where are you sitting at? <laughs> I first of all love that drop by him because it is pretty accurate. Yeah. My prop should indicate where my lock's going, but I'm stupid, so I'm not going to do that. I am going to pick an alternative line for the Kansas City Chiefs, minus 21.5 against the Houston Texans. That's going to pay around plus 200. I love the Chiefs in that game. I really do think the Texans are just going to look like they aren't even interested in being there. The lock, San Francisco minus three and a half, and the Chargers minus three against Tennessee. I love those parlays. You parlay them together again in that 200 market. think it's a great value pick. And then my drop, Atlanta plus four and a half against New Orleans. You know where I'm at. I love Desmond Ritter in this game, but I hate my own intuition with the Falcons so much that I think it's just smart to avoid that altogether. Oh, backtracking, just like I will here. My prop of the week, Isaiah Pacheco, anytime touchdown scorer versus Houston. If you notice the trend through the week, any running back that's going up against Houston's Horace Rush defense, you want to take them, give me Pacheco. My lock of the week is Miami plus seven. I just think it's going to get done. I think that they're going to keep it close. They understand what's in front of them here. A lot of talk about the weather that two is going to want to shut up in Mike McDaniels. I think they can, not enough to win, enough to cover. My drop of the week, Green Bay minus six and a half versus the Los Angeles Rams. They're going to win the game. Maybe not by the full seven plus that David was talking about. They could, but they can also choke just like they have the whole year. That is my drop for the week. With that, that's going to wrap us up here with another episode of Loss of Down. Shout out to our sponsors, tabbies.com, the premier that's the eight edible on the market, and Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Loss of Down, and of course, our Twitter, down underscore loss. Wally, Argentina or France, for the parting words, who are we taking in the Sunday final? 
Adam Alfonso, I want you to know that I love you so much. I am taking the French to win this final. If I took Argentina, there would be not a shot in the world that you could get this done. I'm taking the French. I'm taking Mbappe to get two goals and a two-to-one win. And because of that, you should feel pretty good about yourself, buddy. So good luck to you in Argentina. Argentina. Come on, man. Get a fucking map. Well, I, I keep getting annoyed with the – you, no, no, no. You and I keep doing it week in, week out. I don't know. I want to say Argentinians, but it's Argentines, and it's broken my brain. So Argentina should be happy I'm not taking them. That's what I meant to say, but I am a, a, a fucking idiot. Oh, I'm going for Argentina. Messi bringing it back. We're going to get tears. Bonds is going to cry happy tears with his little baby girl, Clara. It's going to be a good day. Give me Argentina as well. He's Wally. I'm Steve. Until next week, uh, we really need to get our shit together. We really need to get our units up. Messi is the fucking GOAT. Better than Ronaldo. Yep, so Ronaldo. Ronaldo.